Welcome, everybody. I'd like to read from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity, and these are edited by his disciple, Swami Kriyananda. And this one is entitled, Open My Inner Eye. Open my inner eye, O fountain of light, that I may behold thee in the dance of the myriad-hued atoms. Burst open the doors of space, that I may see thee behind the swirling mists of material illusion. Behind the walls of brilliant cosmic rays, thou art hiding. Open every portal in nature, that I may see thee everywhere. Paramhansa Yogananda, he used to now and then like to play a little trick. He had a wonderful sense of humor, which comes across beautifully in his autobiography of a yogi. And on this occasion, he was with his uh, nephew, Hare Krishna Ghosh, and they were seated side by side. This was in India when Yogananda was uh, returning there in uh, 1935 or so. And they were seated side by side. They were in the home of a devotee, and a meal was being served, and they were seated there with their plates. And Hare Krishna, uh, on his plate, there was a particular item. He didn't say what it was, but it was a favorite of his. And he kind of put it to the side, saving it for last. And he was busily talking with uh, people, friends, on his you know, right, looking this way, Yogananda on his left, And after a while, he turned his gaze back to the plate to take a bite, and the item was gone. And he wasn't a reactive individual. Uh, He wasn't an emotional personality. He just calmly looked at it and thought it rather curious. (laughs) He looked at Yogananda, who appeared normal and eating his meal happily. And so Hare Krishna returned and started talking to his friends again. And then after a while, his gaze went back to the plate to take another bite, and the item had reappeared. (laughs) And he looked at Yogananda, and Yogananda looked at him and smiled, and he said, Hare Krishna, you talk too much. (laughs) He said, why are you talking to those people? Talk to me. (laughs) And you might wonder what this has to do with service today, but... I really wanted to tell it. I'm going to try and hook it up. And, uh, but in truth, when we, you know, we're talking about how, how can you see God, and really at the core there is we need to t- pay attention. You know, God is all around us. God manifested this entire universe, and we need to pay attention. We need to look closely. We need to attune ourselves to that consciousness within everything that we are seeing, that we are experiencing. Uh, recently, many of you might have read, there's a weekly uh, post that comes out online uh, called A Touch of Light, and our spiritual directors, Naya Swami's Jyotish and Devi, write these weekly, and they are very inspiring. They remind us of the miracle of life and, and really what we have in one another and in truth seekers everywhere of divine friendship. And this particular one, uh, which touched me very deeply a couple weeks ago, out of the silence, 
And I really encourage you to not just read that uh, posting, but to really meditate on it, because Jyotish has captured so clearly and so beautifully and simply what is really how we got here, how we got here and why we're here, and that journey and that path that leads back to God, that helps us to see God and lets us know how to do that. And it just very briefly, he just talks about how God in the beginning is stillness, deep stillness, beyond, beyond the quiet room, a stillness we long to fathom and experience. And out of that stillness, at a certain point, comes movement, just to the slightest degree, and vibration. And as that vibration becomes more, increases, it begins to manifest in the realm of uh, subtlety, as light, as sound, and so on, eventually as this material, physical universe plane, as we experience it. But... In the, in the process of tuning in to that truth, to that expression of God manifest in this world, coming into this world, we understand also the key of how to behold God, how to look for God, where to find Him, how to walk that path and that journey back. Paramhansa Yogananda describes the eight aspects of God as peace, as calmness, as light, as sound, as wisdom, as joy, as love, and as power. And each one of these are vibrations of that still, still, calm spirit. And as we tune into those aspects, they are doorways onto the infinite. We come up to them, we come, we, we ex- have experiences of them when we meditate. All of our techniques of self realization, they are to give us the actual experience of God in and through one of those aspects. In Hong Sa, it is peace that we experience a deep peace, not just the peace as in the lack of commotion and activity, but a peace that expands a peace that is inclusive, a peace that transcends anxiety on all levels, you know, fears on all levels, worries on all levels, and leads us, if we follow it, if we go deeply into it, back into that stillness, back to God. Wisdom is that aspect of the infinite that we come to know in meditation. We come to experience as we practice the Om and listen to that sound. We tap in to intuition. We tap into divine wisdom. And that's the only way we can really perceive anything. We can't see God through these two eyes. We can't see, we can see Him reflected, but we can't see that point of completeness, of wholeness, of absolute stillness. And yet as we go deep, in the practice of Om, we experience more and more that wisdom. We experience the intuition of the soul. And that's the power by which we know and experience God. It's really the only way we can perceive anything. You know, Sai, Swami Kriyananda uses the example, the scientist investigates 
everything, investigates the atom, and then he says the yogi becomes it. And in the practice of meditation, we become and take on those divine qualities, those divine aspects. We begin to understand them because we're experiencing them. Kriya gives us that, Kriya Yoga gives us that experience of joy, of deep joy, joy bubbling over, joy in all of life. No matter what, what comes to us in life, we are never without that knowing and that experience of joy. So all of these aspects we come to know in meditation, and through meditation we learn how to see them in the whole of life. Because it is not good enough just to experience them in meditation. It would be if we were meditating 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, the whole and entirety of our life, whatever span. But the truth of it is that we spend a lot of time outside of meditation. We spend a lot of time in service to the guru, in activity with other people. And it's a busy life that we are all living. It's a very active and engaging life that we are all living. And we need to know how to bridge those experiences in meditation and to find them in life. They are there. They have to be. Because God created this physical plane, created this universe, and they have to be there. And so why not, since we're here, why not, since we're in activity, we're in service, we're with people, why not as well, then, learn to see it everywhere, see it in everything, experience it in everyone. I was with a friend the other day who I spend very little time with, and it was just a moment. It, was, it seemed less than a second, but it, at one instant, our eyes connected, and it was God there. It was God blessing me. It was so beautiful. I couldn't hold on to it. It went into something else. But it was so real. That's what we have in this life and in this world. It's not just existing, waiting for something better to happen, way off when, hopefully not too far in the distant future. But it's right here. It's right now in this moment. Swami Kriyananda shared a story of when he was at Mount Washington uh, and with the monks there. Yogananda had was trying to explain a project that they were about to embark upon. And Swamiji wasn't a particular part of this project, but he was there, and he was sitting to the side, and Yogananda was explaining it. It had to do with fixing the driveway and fixing potholes, a very mundane project, a very earthly, good project. And Yogananda was describing all of this, and Kriyananda was sitting there, and he thought, well... I don't need to know this. And he closed his eyes and he just tried to tune in to Yogananda, his guru. And when he did it, he said he was surprised himself. In that attempt to tune into that consciousness, he experienced Yogananda's consciousness. Now, Yogananda was talking about potholes, I assume gravel, maybe pavement or something of some sort you know, wheelbarrows, shovels, all of those things, and how to do it and the timing and the process. But what Kriyananda found himself experiencing was the bliss of Yogananda's consciousness. In other words, he experienced God in that moment, even through, in that setting, even through uh, that experience, that 
that uh, language and terminology having to do with fixing holes in the road. And it's a wonderful lesson and insight how to see God in everything, to pay attention, to look for the divine, and to try to inwardly tune in, in this case, to the joy of Yogananda, to his consciousness, to his bliss. And he felt that. Yogananda, some year uh, after, uh, it, was, it was right after, I think it was the uh, memorial that he gave for Sister Gyana Mata, his foremost woman disciple. Most oftentimes he called her sister. And he said, what I prized most in her life was that no matter what happened, nothing ever took from her, her love for God. And lots of things happen in our lives. She had ill health. She had family situations that were challenging, very, very challenging. Uh, She had many tests in her life. And to read about her life is to become, you know, acquainted with the whole of it. And then what you see is that thread of just unbroken love and reverence for the divine in everything. And so she was able to hold on to that through that devotion. And it kept her in that focus, in that experience all of the time. That's the greatness of the soul. That's the greatness of the devotee. It's not the things that we do outwardly. It's not what we become outwardly. None of that really is important in the end. It's who we are inside and keeping our sights on God and, keep t- and to keep trying to attune ourselves to that consciousness. In the reading this morning from the, that little excerpt from the Gita where Krishna says to Arjuna, I give thee sight divine. This is, this is really the fruit of our devotion, our longing for God and loving God. God comes to us and clarifies our sight, clarifies all of our, the faculties of sense, bringing them to a higher level in which we can perceive that reality all of the time. It's a very interesting excerpt and the fullness of it is described in the Mahabharata, one of the great epics of India. And it's interesting to note because Krishna gave this sight to Arjuna. But at that time, a great war was about to take place and Krishna was putting out his last effort to try to get people's hearts to open and harmonize and cooperate. And so he revealed, he gave to a number of people that divine vision, hoping that that, since nothing else had worked, would get through. But it didn't get through. It got through to Arjuna. But he gave that vision to Duryodhana, Arjuna's cousin and opponent, you know, the, 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 the lead force on the opposing side. And he gave that vision to Duryodhana. And Duryodhana said, I don't believe you, it's just a trick. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. And Krishna couldn't change him, even by giving himself in entirety to this soul, a great soul, a great soul. Duryodhana is, is described as a great being in the Mahabharata. There's this drama going on, but there is a great soul there. And he didn't see it. 
Krishna gave that vision to Dhritarashtra, Duryodhana's father. Because Dhritarashtra had the power, he, could have, he was the king, he could have changed everything if he didn't just let his son take the lead and do whatever he wanted like a little spoiled brat. But he wasn't strong enough. And Krishna gave him that vision. And Dhritarashtra means blind mind. He could only perceive reality through the senses, the physical senses, nothing more. And so when Krishna revealed himself as light, as unconditional love, as omnipresence, as omniscience, Dhritarashtra, the difference is, he did see Krishna as he really was. And tears filled his eyes. And he thanked Krishna and he said, I know you are Lord. I know you are. But take this sight away from me. I don't want it. And in part he didn't want it because he had seen Krishna and he knew that anything else he saw in the physical plane would never come close. But in part he didn't want it because he couldn't change. He didn't want to change. He didn't want to put Duryodhana in his place and say, you spoiled little child, get out of here. I'm taking charge and we're going to go with Krishna and forget this war. And he couldn't, he couldn't change. He couldn't see it. But Arjuna did see it. In, in his commentary on the Gita, Swami Kriyananda describes Arjuna as sadhu everyman. And in doing that, he brings us all into that fold. We are all Arjunas. We are all disciples of extreme heightened receptivity. And we can make that change. And we can see that divine vision. And we can know God. We are like him in that way. We are Krishna's child. We are the child of the infinite. And Swami Kriyananda, when he was... Uh, in India one time, he speaks of a, uh, many times he frequented the ashram of Anandamai Ma. And he speaks of being there and chanting for her. And she would ask him to do so. And so he would play chants. Sometimes she'd leave the room. She'd come back after a while. And when she would come back, one time she commented, always it's the same. It never loses its sweetness. She said that of Kriyananda's chanting. And Kriyananda said that as he chanted, he tried to focus on the words very, very deeply so that the words became the consciousness behind the words. And in that consciousness then, his experience was one of bliss. That's all he felt. He was chanting, but it wasn't about chanting. It wasn't about playing the harmonium. It wasn't about singing the song. It was about experiencing and expressing and sharing and offering bliss. And that's, again, how we, you know, through that level of devotion, we see God. We go to God. We need to go deep in our practices. We need to go deep in our awareness in activity, so that that vision that is always there is visible to each one of us. Swamiji says we need to withdraw the energy from the senses, from the physical senses. Now, how do we do that? How do we pull it back enough 
so that we're not looking at the world through the physical senses, so that we're not experiencing the world through the physical senses, but through some faculty of higher knowledge and receptivity. Well, all we really need to do is concentrate on the energy in the spine, bringing it into the spine, bringing it into the brain, bringing it upwards through that channel of life, which is the inner spine. And that's, the more we do that, that magnetism is increased, and we're all of a sudden looking and seeing and experiencing the world through those heightened faculties of sense perception, no longer through the outer. That's the difference. Very close to the end of my mother's life, Ananta and I were visiting her, and we got in our mind that it would be very nice to take her out for an outing, get her out of the room, get her to the out of doors. And our thought, we thought, maybe we'll take her to the beach. And we said, Mom, we have a thought. We'd like to take you to the beach. How would you like that? And she said, why would I want to do that? I close my eyes and I'm there. And she wasn't being rude. She wasn't being thankless. It was a beautiful teaching for us in that moment through her because that's what it's about. We see God within. And we see God without because we are looking from deep within our own selves. So go deep in your path, whatever your path. If you're not on this path, that doesn't matter. No one here is asking you to be on this path. Go deep in your path and explore, explore in that depth these aspects of God because, again, each one of them is a window onto infinity. And as we gain in that perception, the view is glorious. It's beautiful. This whole creation is animated by that divine light. And if we pay attention, if we practice devotion, if we open ourselves to it, if we attune ourselves to it, then it is ours. That experience, that divine experience, is forever ours. Thank you.